Yeah, Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for where we are going, where you have taken us, where we are coming from. Thank you because you have loved us with an everlasting love. Lord, at times we don't understand your love. At times our human minds cannot even comprehend it. Lord, but Lord, we just want to believe and thank you for the love which you have shown demonstrated at the Calvary's Hill. But I thank you that even this morning as we go through your word, may our hearts be open to really, really, really see how much you love us. That we will not view your love through the lens of our physical limitations or challenges. Thank you for the way you have loved, the way you are loving, and the way you will ever continue to love us. Thank you because your love is stronger than death. Thank you that many water cannot quench your love for us. Father, today is going to be a great day, a wonderful day, a beautiful day. As you step through your word, each one of us will live here, changed, transformed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Wonderful Holy Ghost, take these words and impact the hearts of men and women, boys and girls to the glory of your name. Let your name be glorified and your people be edified. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. All right, so today's message is part two of the message I preached last week called No Divorce Ever from the Love of God. No Divorce Ever from the Love of God. Now, if you are a father here or your mother here, you're a parent of any kind, um, you may be able to relate to some of the story. The story, sorry, the story that I want to share this morning, first of all, to try and underscore the importance of the love of God for us. Now, um, if you're not yet a parent, you may not grasp this, but one day you're going to become a parent and that you're going to understand that. It's a question I want to ask, like, will you do anything possible to save the life of your child? Is it possible that if your child is going through a challenge and you have what it takes to save that child's life, you will do anything to save, to save that child's life? I guess the answer would be yes. I guess the answer would be if there's any way you could ever save your children if a calamity strikes, that you would do it. I remember watching a movie one time where... Um, I think it was a movie about the end of days or end of time. This man was a very rich man and um, they built Noah's Ark, as it were, uh, in, in some other part of the world. Or I think, I think there was a um, prediction that there was going to be um, an Arctic melt, meltdown where the whole world was going to freeze over. So the people who are very rich started to build this place of safety for themselves alone. And then you have to have a lot of moolah, a lot of money, to be able to get a space or a slot uh, uh, in that in that ship, on that ship rather. And this, this Russian man was very rich. Um, you know, he had two children and they got themselves stuck up in, um, in their Bentley and an aircraft that flew outside of uh, Chicago and they were flying to this place where he had bought seats on there for himself and his children. But when it got to the end of, or towards the end of the movie, when they were getting to the place where uh, they were going to board the ship, they had to transfer from one, from the Bentley to another place to land in a place where they can get in there. 
And at the last point in time, it became apparent that not all of them can get on that ship. The man had to sacrifice himself. Had to say, I want these two children to be able to get on that, on that, on that ship. Why? Because the man believed that the children still have so many lives to live, so many years ahead of them rather to live. And therefore, he could just yes, live his own life. He could do anything to ensure that his children could live. Yesterday, I was watching the movie with my wife. And in the movie, um, there was a story of a king whose daughter got um, kidnapped by some bandit. And they were asking for ransom um, for this child. And the man had a, uh, he had two choices. One was to enter the treasury of the nation to go claim his daughter back or to go to war. You know, to go to war, fearing that in the presence of going to war to go and fight these people, uh, the child might lose her life. And the man was pushed to the wall. He had to make a decision. You know what he did? He said, I am going to ensure the whole treasury gets depleted to save the life of my child. That is a love that a parent will have for his child or her child. Now, I've got a story I also want to read here, which you might find on the screen. And the story is about a father. It's about a father who uh, sacrificed all uh, for his daughter. The story goes this way. One day, an 11-year-old girl asked her daddy, What are you going to get me for my 15th? birthday a father replied please wait there's much time left when the girl was 14 years old she fainted and was rushed to the hospital the doctor came out and told her that told her dad that she had she had a bad heart and that she was probably going to die when she was lying in the hospital bed she said softly daddy have they told you that i'm going to die the father replied, no, you are going to leave. As he left her room, weeping. She asked, how can you be so sure, daddy? He turned around from the door and said, because I know. A short time later, she turned 15. After she was released from the hospital and recovering, she came home to find a letter on her bed which, read, which reads, my dearest daughter, if you are reading this letter, it means that everything went well, just as I told you it will. A little while ago, you asked me what I was going to give you for your 15th birthday. I didn't know then, but my present to you was my heart. You know what happened? Our father donated, I donated his own heart to save his child. The Bible says, greater love at no man than this, that a man should lay down his life for his friends. People of God, we're going to be looking at a text from Romans chapter 8, from verses 35 to 39. And the question that was asked in that text was essentially the question that may be going through your heart. Has God ever stopped loving me? Will God ever stop loving me? That was a question that 
may go through our minds essentially when we are going through challenges of life. I told you this message was was birthed from an experience I had with God recently when I was walking to my car and God spoke in my heart and said, when my people go through challenges and tribulations, they start to wonder if I still love them or not. And he referred me to Romans chapter 8 verse 35 that asked the question, who shall ever separate us from Christ's love? Shall suffering and affliction and tribulation or calamity and distress or persecution or hunger or destitution or peril or sword? I have covered these things in detail last week, so I'm not going to deep dive into them. Uh, But I want to just call your attention back to the beginning of that verse 35. It says, who? Who shall ever separate us from Christ's love? I've mentioned the word separate there is the word corizo, and it means to put a wedge between, a room between, a distance between. Bible says, what, what or who can ever separate us or put a, a distance between us and the love that God has for us in Christ? That was a question that was asked. And when the question is asked, it requires that that question should be answered. In other translation of verse 35, the word that was used was not who, but what. So you can say who shall separate us or what shall separate us. Who shall ever separate us from the love of God? Because when you look at the word who here, the word who refers to a person. But notice that what began to be explained or listed on the back of who shall separate us ever from the love of God were not things that you could call a noun, actually. Uh, there the were situational events or uh, you know, elements of life. For example, it, talks, it spoke about suffering and affliction and tribulation or calamity and distress or persecution or hunger or destitution or, or peril or sword. These are not things that you would call a noun. These are things that normally they are things, right? So why then did the Bible come? thought it best in the KJV to put the word who there is because when you go through some of these situations, they can have a name, they can become a name, they can become like, they can take on a personality in your life that you think that all hell is let loose in your life and nothing is going to work. If you have ever been through suffering before, suffering then takes on a a personality that, that, scares you a personality that causes fear in your heart so the who there is talking about there's an entity behind the suffering there's an entity behind the affliction there's an entity behind the tribulation so when you go through tribulation or suffering and affliction don't just think oh the whole world is against me remember there's an entity behind these things uh, engineered against your life and God essentially is saying to you this morning that when you go through suffering or affliction or tribulation or calamity or distress or persecution or, or hunger or decision or peril or sword, don't begin to say in your heart, oh, God no longer loves me. Because there's an entity behind engineering its, its, uh, its element, its element against you to, for you to give up and begin to question the love of God. Remember, the moment we begin to question the love of God, we begin to question his character. The moment we begin to question the character of God, we begin to question his promises. And now when we begin to question the promises of God, what else do we have? 
The Bible says in the book of 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, the Bible says, all that pertains to life and godliness, God has already given to us. Everything that we need to be like God in this life, God gave to us. How did he give them to us? The Bible says, through the great and precious promises. Through, through God's great and precious promises, he had given us all things that pertain to, God, uh, to, to godliness and life. So essentially, the promises of God, become the anchor that holds us through the challenges that we go through. So the Bible here says, who shall ever separate us from the love of God? Said nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Before the answer, the question is answered, verse 36 began to quote a scripture from Psalm 44, verse 22 that says, it is written and forever remains written, for your sake we are put to death all day long. We are regarded as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, Yet, when we were regarded as sheep for the slaughter, yet, when we were put to death all day long, yet, in all of these things, in all of the things, when we face suffering and affliction and tribulation and calamity and distress and so on and so forth, when we face these things, the Bible says there is something that happens, we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors and we gain an overwhelming victory through him who loved us so much that he died for us. The Bible essentially says when we go through those challenges of life, when we go through uh, things that don't make sense, when we go through uh, the, 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 the need to give up and to think that, oh man, nothing is working in our lives. The Bible says there's a thought that must go through or resonate through our heart. And that must be that in all of these things, we are going to be more than conquerors. We are going to be more than conquerors. Now, I want you to look at the phrase more than conqueror uh, for a moment. This word more than conqueror is from the root of the same word that was that relates to overcoming or to overcome in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, the Bible says, and I'm reading the amplified version, the Bible says, For everyone born of God is victorious. Everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. Now, look at the tenses. It's present continuous. Everyone born of God is victorious. How do you know you are born of God? John chapter 1 verse 12 says, As many as believed him, he gave the right to be called the children of God. As many as believed in him, he has given the right the authority to be called the children of God. So if you have ever made Jesus your Lord and Savior, then you are born of God. No one who is born of God can call Jesus a curse. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says anyone, everyone who is born of God, who is born of the Spirit of God, is victorious, present tense, and overcomes the world, present continuous tense. So the Bible says, essentially saying, you are victorious now, and you will continue to be victorious over the world. And then the Bible then begins to explain the, 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 um, the platform upon which your victory, your victory is premised upon. The Bible says, and this is the victory. This is the victory that has conquered and overcome the world. Now, I want you to pay attention to the tenses being used here. First John 5, 4 says, everyone born of God is victorious. So, with your starting point, 
the way you are right now, you are victorious. I know you might not feel like that. You might not see it. It might not feel like you're victorious, but God is saying to your spirit, he's saying to your heart, he's saying to your mind this morning that you must see yourself as a victor, not as a victim. Bible says, for everyone that is born of God is victorious. Now, why is it important to embrace the victory, the victory mindset or the victor mindset? Is because the way you see yourself is the way you are going to live your life. If you see yourself as a victim, then you begin to attract, have this victim mentality where you begin to think nothing works for you like you are the, you are a tail end of life and you cannot make things work for you. God does not want any one of his children to have either a slavish mindset or a victim mindset. You remember the story in the book of Numbers chapter 14 when the Bible says that the children of Israel were sent to, to, to spy the land of Canaan. The Bible says God told Moses to call the leaders of the people. There are 12 of them that were called. And God says, send them to the land which I had promised to your father to give to you for them to go see whether the land indeed is flowing with milk and honey. God was sending them on this rendezvous, on this expedition for their own sake. God wanted them to see with their own eyes that what he had promised the fathers was not a fluke. That God was not just making these things up. God wanted them to see how luxurious, how abundantly supplied for the land was. Why was that important? That was important because whatever vision that God has given to you, unless you see it first, you cannot become it. You remember that when Abraham came into the land of Canaan many years before, when God brought Abraham into the land, God said to him, now look up from where you are. As as much as you can see, I will give unto you. God says to Abraham, as much as your as far as your eyes can see, that will I give to you. Why is it important? Because vision is important. If there's something you believing God for you must see it in your heart in your heart first before it can manifest so God says to them go into the land and go and check it out and they went into the land quite all right they brought grapes from the land they brought fruit from the land they saw the land that the land was indeed flowing with milk and honey but when they came into the camp they began to speak words that that bother on what on failure they began to speak words that bother on fear of death. They began to say, the land indeed which we have gone into is a good land, but it is a land that devours its people. He said, they said, we saw giants there, the sons of Anak too were there, and we were like grasshopper in our own eyes, and so were we. <laughs> they said, in our own eyes, the way we saw ourselves, we saw ourselves as grasshopper. They had this grasshopper mindset. They began to paint pictures in the in the heart of the people when they brought the news back that they, that land they are going is going to devour them. Now God God brought them through the the the, the Red Sea. God caused manna to fall from heaven. God caused water to come out of rocks. Is that a God who wanted them to, them to die? No, it was. A, it's a God who is interested in their salvation. It's a God who is interested in their victory. That God has not changed is still on the throne. Now that God said to them, I am giving I have given you this land. Just go check it out and re-embrace it. Receive what God has shown you in your heart. Then they began to give excuses. They began to say, Hey, we are gonna die here, it's not gonna work, and so on and so forth. And the Bible says something that I find quite profound. The Bible said they wailed or not. 
Have you ever been in a camp of whalers or moaners or complainers? The energy there is so toxic you want to run out. <laughs> so these people, were, they wail throughout the night. They cry throughout the night. Imagine if you were looking at them, maybe uh, from, from the sky, you were in an airplane and you saw a, a group of people, possibly a million people. They had sackcloth on, the, on, on their, on, uh, they put on sackcloth and put on some uh, funny attire that shows that they are mourning. You know, you will not have, you will not have uh, the need to want to be there. You begin to wonder, what's going on here? Somebody died but people of god nobody died they had painted a picture of death picture of fear picture of loss and so much so that that picture entered into the heart of the people that they were talking to and they mourned all night and the bible said not one of them that 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 believed the lies or the report of the spies that contradicted the word of god ever made it to the promised land so God does not want you to have the mindset of a victim. So here, 1 John 5, 4 says, everyone that is born of God is victorious. God wants you to know that your default position is that of a victor, not of a victim. You are victorious. And they say, you overcome the world, but not just overcame yesterday, Overcome today and then struggle to overcome tomorrow. It says the word used here is present continuous, overcomes the world. But how do you overcome the world? The victory that gives you the overcoming power of the world, the Bible says, is our continued persistent faith in Jesus, the Son of God. So the Bible says, the victory that has conquered, the world has been conquered. It has been conquered for you. The world has been conquered for you. The word has been has been conquered. God has overcome the word for you. But what do you need to do? The Bible says it comes through your faith, your continuous, persistent faith in Jesus, the Son of God. All right. So let's back up. Romans eight thirty seven says, in all of these things, when we face challenges of life, the Bible says we are more than conquerors, and we gain an overwhelming victory. Now the word, the word, or the phrase "more than conquerors" in this. Romans 8.37 is from the Greek upanikau, I spoke about it last week, which means to gain a surpassing victory. That word, or that phrase, modern conqueror, is from the same root of the word that means overcomes, or that is called overcomes, right, in 1 John 5.4. Everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the word. Overcomes there is nikaho. Modern conqueror is upanikau. Upa means that which is more than enough, surpassing victory. Nikau means to carry off the victory. So nikau, which is overcomes, is speaking of you carrying off the victory that has been won for you. Upanikau means to gain surpassing victory. So you gain a surpassing victory. How do you overcome the world? You nikau, you carry off the victory. So it means that you are coming from the premise that the victory has already been won for you. Now you are laying hold on it. Okay, I hope that makes sense. So how do you have overcoming, overwhelming victory? It is through him who loved us. If you go back to First John chapter 5, uh, no, no uh, Romans 8, 37. In all these things, we are more than conquerors and gain an overwhelming victory through him who loved us. Through him, who loved us so much that he died for us. The Bible says the way we gain overwhelming victory in this life, the way in which we become more than conquerors, is through him who loved us. Now, 4 John 5, 4 says, 
we are victorious and we overcome the world. And the victory that gives us this power to overcome the world is our faith. Faith in who? In, the, in Jesus, the Son of God. So essentially, in order for us to have overwhelming victory, in order for us to become more than conqueror, we need to remember, we need to have faith in what? In the love that God has for us. We need to have faith in that love. Because the Bible says in Romans 8, 37, it is true him who loved us so much that he died for us. We must have an awareness, a remembrance that he died for us. And that he loved us. We must have faith in the love of God for us in order for us to be overcomers. In order for us to experience the victory life, love is important. In order for us to overcome the world or to experience that overcoming lifestyle of God is to remember how much God has loved us. It is by focusing on the love that God has for us in whatever that we find ourselves that we can then gain an overwhelming victory. So when you know and agree with this truth in your heart, then victory is assured. What victory? What truth? That he loved us. That he loves us. That he will continue to love us. So in order for you to have this victory, you must come to have faith in the love of God for you. So let's go back. The Bible says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors and we gain an overwhelming victory through him who loved us so much that he died for us. When we face persecution, when we face suffering and affliction and tribulation, when these things become personified in our lives, when we go through these things and it seems like we have an entity against us, when it seems like the whole world is against us, let us not forget that we are going to gain or we have gained an overwhelming victory through him who loves us. We must remember the love of God for us during this process when we are faced with calamity or distress or hunger or persecution. This is absolutely very important, people, because when you don't know or believe in the love that God has for you, you begin to second guess your position, your stay, your stand in Christ. You begin to, you are going to then become susceptible to the lies of the devil. You know, in the Garden of Eden, when the serpent came to Adam and Eve, it was because Adam and Eve were not rooted in the love of God, as it were. That's how they were able to capitulate. Because the devil began to malign or ridicule the character of God. He began to say, did God really say, can God be trusted that what he said to you that you should not do, he meant it? That is that is maligning the character of God. And because they were not so grounded in the love of God, what happened? They capitulated. God wants you to be so assured in your heart that the challenges of life that you go through do not determine or validate the love of God for you. God wants you to know that when suffering shows up like a human being, when tribulation shows up like a human being, when calamity strikes like a human being, when distress shows up in your radar, at all, I forbid it in, in Jesus' name. But if at all it shows up, or persecution shows up, maybe at your work or in your marketplace, or hunger shows up, or, or decision shows up, or peril or so show up in your life, do not ever forget that God loves you. Don't say, Ah, God has abandoned me. God has left me alone. Maybe it's because of what I did 15 years ago. Now, uh, the, the 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 payback time is now is now. So that's what I'm paying back. No, the Bible here says. Let your heart be assured that God loves us. So, now, verse 38 then says, I am convinced. 
and continue to be convinced beyond any doubt that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present and threatening nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the unlimited love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So over the next 20 minutes, I want to unpack this text, verses 38 to 39, to drive home the point about the love of God. I remember the story I spoke about before, about the father that gave his own heart in order for the child to live. The child did not even know that that sacrifice was made until she came out of the hospital. That is the way it is even right now in our world. Jesus Christ died for the entire world. For those that love that for those that know him, for those that cares for him, for those that don't even care. The Bible says, For God so loved the world, John 3 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world. Yesterday I was watching a movie, uh, a short video on YouTube where one guy went to do a street preaching somewhere in the UK here and the police were harassing him. They said they're going to throw him into jail for preaching on the streets that is preaching hate hate messages, right? That this message is border on hatred. How in the world could a message that talks about the love of God, how much God loves you, then become a message that will be classified as hate speech? That tells you how where our world is headed. The police took this guy and then they began to kind of harass him. They said is public disorder. But in that same as, uh, um, video that I was watching, they were showing how you know the Muslim people would condone of a place, they would kneel down, they would uh, they would pray in public, and nobody says, "Oh, you are you are you are disturbing the uh, the peace of the of the environment." But do you know, even as much as that guy may have been harassed by the police, do you know that Jesus Christ he loves them? Do you know that he loved them so much that he died for them? He didn't wait for any one of us to get our act together before he paid the price. No greater love can a man give than a man should lay down his life for his friend. Pastor he says, I am convinced and continue to be convinced beyond any doubt. Are you convinced? Right now, are you convinced? Are you convinced beyond any doubt that God loves you? Will you continue to be convinced if something shows up in your radar tomorrow that you didn't plan for, that God still loves you? That question that was asked, what shall ever separate us from the love of God? That question was asked. The answer came in verse 38. I am convinced, Apostle Paul says, and continue to be convinced beyond any doubt that neither death the question that came in my mind was, why was it death that he mentioned first? Why was it death that he mentioned first? Because death is that element of life that scares most people. When the issue of death is mentioned, people panic, people are afraid. When you put a gun to somebody's head and say, deny your God or I'm, I'm going to blow your head off. Some might end up denying God. I said, I don't want to die. 
Why is that? Because we have we have tied and embraced our mindset to this life that we know. We don't have an idea about what heaven is. And even if we do, we don't want to die. Nobody wants to die, ideally. We want to live forever. Because this is the life that we know. That's all we know in the physical, right? So, Apostle Paul started off with death because that is what scares most people. That's the scariest thing that the human art knows. Death. Death scares people. So, he started off with death. That even when death shows up on the radar, God still loves us. Now, notice that last week we spoke about those things that can show up in our lives that may make us feel, oh, maybe God has left me. Maybe God, maybe God no longer loves me. Suffering and affliction and tribulation, calamity and distress, persecution or hunger, destitution, peril or sword. Notice these things ultimately can lead to death. Suffering can lead to death. Affliction can lead to death. Tribulation can lead to death. Calamity can lead to death. Distress can lead to death. Persecution can lead to death. Hunger can lead to death. Destitution can lead to death. Peril can lead to death. Definitely sword can lead to death. So he's, he's basically saying, if you answer the questions about who or what shall separate us from the love of God, and you start to come up with some ideas around, oh, if I go to suffering and all that kind of stuff, he says, Ultimately, where your mind is going to is, I'm going to lose my life. Then he started off by saying, I am persuaded and continue to be persuaded, convinced beyond any doubt, that death cannot separate us from the love of God. Life itself cannot separate us from the love of God. Angels cannot. Principalities could not. Things present and threatening could not. Things to come cannot. Powers cannot height cannot depth cannot any other created thing in this world it is does not have the power to separate us from the unlimited love of god which is in christ jesus our lord praise god now the word death here the word death here in this text in verse 38 is from the word thanatos thanatos in greek means physical death or Mortal danger or dangerous circumstances. If we find ourselves in mortal danger, maybe somebody is facing right now a life-threatening disease or sickness. Maybe they've said, oh, you, this person is going to die. That is Thanatos. Or the person eventually dies, Thanatos. Paul is saying, the love of God is so strong that even physical death cannot put a wedge, a distance, a room <laughs> between us and the love that God has for us. Death may take us out of this physical reality called earth from the people that we love and know. But it is impossible for death to separate us from the love of God. The Bible makes us understand that death itself will be judged. There will be a time when death is no longer an issue on this, in this earth. So, God says, death cannot separate us from the love of God. For the love of God does not stop with the cessation of life. You might face challenges. You might face mortal danger. You might be thrown overboard. Your life may be on the line right now. And you're hearing this, you're thinking, what am I going to do? This word of the Lord is sent to you 
to encourage you that even when death knocks at the door, the love of God is still there for you. The love of God is still there for you. The cessation of physical life or the complex issues and events that relate to your life that you may be facing right now that are so strong that feel that makes you feel like, oh, I'm about to die. God says to me to tell you, those things are not strong enough to separate you from my love for you. God says, I will always love you. I will never stop loving you. So now, we move to another word that was mentioned here is life. Now, I want you to notice something that has been done in verse 38. I find it quite interesting. There are about six things mentioned, bundled together. For example, it says in verse 38, I am convinced and continue to be convinced beyond any doubt that neither death nor life, that's a bundle. Death nor life. When it talks about death, it has to talk about life in that context. Then it talks about angels and principalities bundled together. It talks about things present and things to come. Another bundle, bundle together. Then it talks about power standing by itself. It talks about height or depth bundled together. Then it talks about other created things by itself. So we see there are death or life, one bundle. Angels or principalities, second bundle. Things present or things to come, third bundle. Power by itself as a bundle. Height or depth, fifth bundle. Any other created thing, sixth bundle. You know what? Number six means number six is a number of man. <laughs> it talk, it's talking about the fact that you might face these six things that human beings face. They do not, they cannot, they will not. It is impossible for these things to put a wedge between you and the love that God has for you. That blessed me so much. So after he has spoken about death, he had to talk about life. The word life there is the, from the same word zoe, which is physical life. So, you might have you may have faced physical death. What about if you have faced with physical life? What do we have in physical life? The pressures of life. What we are going to eat tomorrow. What are we going to do next tomorrow? All the pressures. We don't know what's going to happen in five years' time. There's artificial intelligence now taking all over the world. People are panicking. People are worried. Uh, people are talking about new world order. The other day, I was <laughs> I was I was watching this um, YouTube video. I was talking about. Um, uh, new world order and all that kind of stuff, and we could look at these things. And if you are not, if you don't, if you don't understand and appreciate and believe the love that God has for you, you can get scared. He's talking about the fact that when you face complex issues of life, they are not even strong enough to separate you from the love that God has for you. Then the next thing he went to was he started talking about angels. The word angels here is from the word angelos. And it means brilliant, spiritual, and angelic beings. So, he's talking about the fact that this extraordinary strong being, angels that show up. If an angel shows up now and says to you, oh, God no longer loves you. He's saying, you need to say, shut up. You need to say, shut up. Because an angel cannot, does not have the power to separate you from the love of God. Now, remember, an angel can come in and kill 100,000 people. One angel, the Bible says, can kill can kill 100,000 people. An angel, just one angel, can kill a lot of people. So, when you get to fight with an angel, if at all you get to fight with an angel, you don't stand a chance. But God says, an angel cannot separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Then the next word is principalities. Principalities is from the word akai. And it talks about the rank and file 
of devil, devil's kingdom. Akai, principalities actually has to do with the kingdom of the devil. So, there are some places where you will go and they, they um, glorify the, the, the work of the devil. They talk a lot about what the devil is doing, what the demons are doing. And those things might fill your heart with fear. You, where you begin to become afraid of the devil or become afraid of demons. And God says, you don't have to be afraid of demons. Why? Because they, they have no power to separate you from the love of God. They are not strong enough to disconnect you from the love that God has for you. Then he went on to talk about powers. Powers is from the word dunamis, which is which is a word that depicts powerful governments of men. So I just shared with you a story of somebody that the police kind of harassed preaching the gospel. Even their harassment cannot stop the love of God for that young man. It's not possible. The love of God cannot be, cannot be arrested. The love of God cannot be bound. The love of God cannot be restricted by evil governments of men. You may face those challenges, whether in your workplace, in your career, whatever. But I want you to, I want to assure you that God loves you. That God will continue to love you. That nothing that you face in this life can put a, a, a wedge, a room between you and omnipotent love. None of the actions of this evil system of the world that we live in can ever put you, it can ever put a wedge between the love that God has for you. Praise God. Praise God forevermore. Now, we move into the another bundle, things present. What are things present? Things that you can see. Things that you are going through right now in your life. It might be in your work. It might be in the economy. It might be um, in your family life. Things that you are going through right now. Things that you know right now. We know that it's war in, in, in Ukraine. We know that it's war in Gaza. We know these things are things that are present right now. People that may be there, that may be like, you know, Christians that may be there going through hell or torment. God isn't saying a word to them. I love you. These things present can never stop me from loving you. God essentially says nothing that you currently go through is able to prevent you from experiencing the love of God. In the midst of that challenge that you are going through, the love of God will speak louder. The Bible essentially says things present cannot separate you from the love of God. This word, um, things present, is, a, is, is made up of two words. Thing, eh? Things present is an istemi. An istemi, and it, and it means something that is presently standing in its place. So there might be rule of law of our country that are totally, <laughs> some of the rules of law that are against God, standing right now, cannot separate you from the love of God. None of these things can separate you from the powerful presence of God's love. Now, Paul then moved on to another thing called things to come. This is the bit that might scare a lot of people. I was talking to my wife yesterday, I was saying, a lot of time people talk about end time, you know, and some people say uh, they, they had near, near death experience, they went to heaven, and they saw this and they saw that, and they brought out a message, this is what God said, this is what God said. And I found, listening to some of those videos, contradictory messages. One person will go to heaven and see something else. Another person will go to heaven and see something else. And they, they will also both claim and say they saw Jesus, this and that and that. And if you try to live your life around 
somebody be telling a tale from what they saw in heaven or what they did not see in heaven, you are going to be in big trouble. You know why? Because in the realm of the spirit, demons also give people visions to cause fear and panic in the heart of people. So I would rather you stick with what? The word of God. The word that God has revealed to you in his word is more than enough. You don't need a vision. You don't need a dream. You don't need someone that came from the dead that says, oh, this is what's happening in heaven. You don't need that. Just stick with the word. Stick with the word and then you will not be deceived. Because the Bible says in the days coming, in the latter days and days coming, there is going to be so many deception in this world that even people who think they are standing will be deceived. So in order for you to be deceived, don't try to find experiences outside of the world. Don't try to say, oh, unless somebody sees a vision and says it's going to happen, let me start running around. No, don't do that. Don't do that. The Bible says things that will occur in the future, in the future. Apostle Paul is talking about things to come, that things to come can never separate you from the love of God. I'm going to spend a moment here because what we're seeing in our world today some things are going to happen according to what the Bible has shown us and God has declared before they're going to happen. Don't let yourself be caught into panic mode where you're running up and down. No, stick with the word. Stick with the word. Read the word. Understand the word for yourself. Develop a relationship with Jesus yourself. Even when I teach you something, go back and read it for yourself. Why? Because... There are things that will occur in the future that we don't know yet. The Bible says, what has not yet happened that will happen 5,000 years from now, 100 years from now, or even tomorrow, that none of us here at this point in time even knows about. None of those things can ever separate you from the love of God. So when we talk about, oh, rapture is going to happen, some people are going to be left behind, these are things that are going to happen in the future. And God is saying to you, even when those things show up, they will not separate you from my love. And that is an encouragement to somebody here this morning. Maybe you have lived all of your life in fear and panic of, if the rapture shows up today, am I going to make it? I'm going to ask you a question. Have you truly given your life to Jesus? If you have given your life to Jesus, you don't have to worry about rapture. If you are in him, he's going to take you home. Jesus Christ says in the book of John, I think John chapter 10, verse 28, it says, I give them eternal life. And no one can snatch them from my hand. I give them eternal life. No one can snatch them from my hand. My father who has given them to me as a gift is greater than all. And no one can snatch them out of my father's hand. Says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. This is Jesus Christ himself speaking. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. My father is greater than all. My father is mightier than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. Got it? And he said, my father and I are one. I think verse 30 of that. So, just guy is saying to you, you have eternal life. Nothing can separate you from his hand. You will never perish. So, allow that to be what drives your work with God. Not some sensationalism on YouTube. Somebody that says they've, they've seen God or they've seen heaven and they brought messages that cause so much fear in your heart that contradict what God himself has said in this world. Don't do that. God is essentially saying to you today, things that are bound to happen in the future that you do not yet know can never separate you from the love of God. Nothing will ever happen in the future that we contain enough power to hinder a believer from knowing and experiencing the love of God. Then Paul goes on to talk about height. And then depth. The word height is from the Greek word upsuma, 
which expresses the notion of something that is overhead. So he's talking about there's nothing that is so lofty. Maybe something is parading itself in the sky. And there's, you know, again, I'm going to talk about this. Some people will say, oh, they've seen a sign. You know, the cloud forms a particular shape, uh, like the horseman or something like that. It says, oh, it's about to happen. And people begin to be afraid. Am I going to make it? Am I standing in Christ? Nothing that is in the is, is in the clouds that shows itself in the cloud can separate you from a love of God that is in Christ Jesus. This blessed me so much. Nothing that you can see. The moon turn like this. The moon turn this other way. Things shows up like this. Cross upside down. It doesn't matter what people come up with. Signs and signs in the sky that people see. None of those things can separate you from the love of God. Then. Apostle Paul mentioned the word depth. The word depth is from the Greek word bathos. And it means something that is exceedingly deep, like the deepest, darkest part of the sea. I have said this before, that I watch a documentary where they talk about the, the, the seven levels, I think, that are in the sea. And there are some levels in the sea whereby if a, if a fish is put in this viscosity of the liquid in this level, if that fish moves to the, the third level, that fish is going to die. There are depths. I think there's a depth called Hades inside the ocean that no equipment has ever even been able to get there. If you find yourself in that space where you cannot see anything, where it is so pitched, is pitch darkness, you cannot see, don't ever think that you can never experience the love of God. Don't ever think God has abandoned me. So to make sure that absolutely, absolutely everything is included in this comprehensive list, you know what Paul did? Paul added any other creature. If there's going to be a creature tomorrow, the one that they are going to discover, that they have not discovered, whatever it is they're going to find on the moon or the universe, whatever that thing may be, that thing, whether it is physical or spiritual, in the physical world or in the spiritual world, absolutely nothing in any of these spheres can separate you from the love of God. So, the Bible says, nothing shall separate you from the love of God. The word shall, is the word dunama is from the word strength, capacity, or ability. He says, nothing shall be able to separate you or disunite you or tear you apart or disconnect you or cut you off or disengage you or to withdraw you from the love of God as Christ. Just Apostle Paul is saying some things here that if you allow your heart to see it, nothing in this world will face you. Apostle Paul essentially says, nothing can put a stain, a wedge, a tiny fraction between the believer and the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing can put a distance, no matter how miniature that distance be, between the believer and the love of God. So, in light of the meaning of these Greek words in Romans 8, 13, 8 to 39, I want to, to you to write down or notice the new way Romans 8, 38 to 39 will now look. I want to read it for you. I have been persuaded and I remain convinced that neither death nor the complications that often arise in life, nor powerful angelic beings, nor even an entire group of high-ranking demonic spirits, nor anything that currently exists, nor anything that could potentially happen in the future, nor any political power, nor anything in the highest heavens like in the sky, nor anything that resides in the deepest depths of the ocean, 
nor anything that has ever been created or that will ever be created or that might show up tomorrow is capable of disconnecting you from the love of God or of putting any distance between you and the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Basically, this text talks about the totality of what God has done. I don't want you to ever forget this message that Paul proclaimed. Nothing in this world has enough power to disconnect you. I want you to use, you look at the word separate again. It's from the Greek word korizo. And it means to sunder, to severe, to disunite, to tear apart, to disconnect, to cut off, to disengage, to withdraw. These are powerful words. It says nothing can ever do any of these things between you and the love that God has for you. Nothing in this world has enough power to disconnect you from the love of God. No angel or demon, no government or creature. And even no mistake of your own making. I want you to write that down. Because nothing, the word nothing includes everything. The word nothing includes everything you can think about. Nothing includes everything that you can think about. Bible says nothing will ever separate you from the love of God. Nothing will ever disengage you, disunite you, disempower you, severe you, put a room between you and God and the love that God has for you. The Bible says nothing, nothing, no one and nothing, no one and nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus Christ our Lord. My God, I love that. Nothing in this universe, nothing on earth, nothing in heaven, Nothing under the earth, nothing in hell, no demon, no body, no power can ever separate you and the love that God has for you in Christ Jesus. No mistake of your own making will ever be able or even has the capacity or is even capable of cutting you off from the love of God. God's love is greater than man. God's love is greater than your mistake. God's love is greater than what we can ever comprehend. Even I cannot comprehend it. But let me tell you what it does. The Bible says, the love of God reaches to the highest mountain. The love of God penetrates the lowest part of the heart. Regardless of what you are facing in your life today, God's love is with you. God's love is in you. And nothing will ever be able to disconnect you from this awesome, powerful, all-consuming love of the Father. Praise God forevermore. Let's bow our heads. Let's bow our heads as we pray. In Psalm 139, verse 7 to 12, in the Passion Translation, the Bible says, Where could I go from your spirit? Where could I run and hide from your face? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the realm of the dead, you are there too. If I fly with wings into the shining dawn, you are there. If I fly into the radiant sunset, you are there waiting. Wherever I go, your hand will guide me. Your strength will empower me. It is impossible to disappear from you or to ask the darkness to hide me. Why? For your presence is everywhere, bringing light into my night. There is no such thing as darkness with you. The night to you is as bright as the day. There is no difference between the two. This same God that sees all, that knows all, that is everywhere, lives on the inside of you. And he sent me a word to tell you this morning that nothing you can ever do, nothing you can ever do will ever separate you 
from his love for you that is found rooted in Christ Jesus. God loved you before you showed up here. God created this world in love as a gift for you. You are a product of love. You are a product of love. I know you may not understand the love of God, but God loves you. May his love now wash over you like a river. May his love now wash over you like a river. Open up your heart. Open up your heart right now. And allow that love to speak to your ache, to speak to your pain, to speak to that abandonment issue that you have, to speak to the rejection in your heart. Maybe your father didn't like you. Maybe your mother rejected you. Maybe your colleagues have spoken words, harsh words to you. That you have now used that eyes, those eyes to look at God. You have viewed God from the, through the lens of those who have, who have maltreated you. I'm here this morning by the power of the Holy Ghost to say, Lord, let the love, the agape love of God wash over your heart and wash the ache and wash the pain and wash the, 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 the dysfunctionality that might be in your, in your family. God is speaking to you right now. He's saying, will you allow me? Will you allow me? Will you allow? Will you open up your heart? Will you lay it down the table? Lay down, lay down, lay down on the table. That which you are holding onto, that you are used to block me from entering your heart. I am here knocking. Enjoy me. I want you to enjoy me, God says. I want you to enjoy me, God says. Will you allow God? We allow God to enjoy you. We allow God to for you to enjoy Him. There are depths in Christ that we do not know. But what has blocked us and hindered us is not knowing this love. Is the slavery mindset that runs away from God instead of running to God. You are a child of God. God bankrupted the whole of heaven to bring you home. Like that father that died, that sacrificed his own heart in order for the daughter to live. God sacrificed his own heart. His heart was Jesus. God sacrificed his own heart so that you can live. And Christ has died. He has died for you. Will you let him? Will you let him? Will you experience the love of God right now? With all, with all our eyes closed and heads bowed as I pray. Father, I pray for your children this morning, for those almighty who have, who have been hurt by life, who, who, who are aching right now because of the disappointment of, of people in their lives or even the systems in which they find themselves. Lord, Lord, I pray the power of your love. May you knock down and knock off every, every pain and every ache in their heart right now in the name of Jesus Christ. May your people right now, Lord, experience the tsunami of your love in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, as these people leave church today lord may they be may they be uh, or, or may, be, may they be enwrapped father lord in your love in the name of jesus christ the bible said the love of god surpasses all understanding we don't understand it in fullness but lord help us to see a glimpse help us to experience a glimpse lord everybody are tear down now in the name of jesus thank you heavenly father in the name of jesus christ if right now you, 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 you want to consider Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, just lift up your hands and say, Dear Lord Jesus, I learned today that you have loved me. That no matter what I have done, you will always love me. I yield my life to you. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I receive you now. May I experience this love in a different way like I've ever experienced before in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, we pray. Praise God forevermore. All right. Thank you so much. Next week, I'm going to be talking again about this Romans chapter 8, by the grace of God. I'm going to start from 31. I'll go back. You know, I'm going to, again, re-emphasize. I'm going to be talking about 
seven questions that prove the love of God for you. I'm going to be looking through that same question. I'm just going to look through questions and just speak about them, you know, and then uh, and then we should be wrapping up this whole love series and then talk about something else. Thank you again for being part of church. You are blessed and highly favored.